So how's your relationship? Is it what you want it to be? I'm talking about your relationship with food. Many of us struggle with it. Hello and welcome to Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. I'm so excited for this podcast episode today because we are talking with someone who knows all about this, Raquel Rachel Heinemann is a licensed mental health counselor based in New York City and Brooklyn. She specializes in the treatment of eating disorders and emotional eating, as well as exercise addiction and body struggles. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Our relationship with food starts at a very young age age. We're taught food is comfort, food is joy. We, we cannot really separate our emotions from food, but as we get a little bit older, sometimes we get an unhealthy relationship with it. Talk to us about your background, what you do, how you help people, and what you really, what you really can help us with. Yeah. So primarily the, my specialty is treating people with eating disorders. And when I think of eating disorders, I think of it as a continuum. So we have healthy relationship with food here and we have a full blown eating disorder here. And most people fall on the continuum. So when I say an eating disorder, I say anywhere on the continuum of a poor relationship with food. Um, that can be struggling with restriction, binging, purging, uh, you know, just obsessions about food, poor body image, um, you know, complicated relationship with exercise. Yes, yeah, who doesn't kind of fall stuff. into that at some point, as you said, exactly. it's a continuum. You don't need full-blown anorexia to have an eating disorder. And that's something that we should just clarify right up front. Exactly. I yeah. In fact, a very, very small percentage of people actually look, quote, look like they have an eating disorder and they look emaciated. Most people who struggle with eating disorders, and this is actually the full-blown eating disorder, don't even look like they have a problem. They're the person sitting next to you at work. They're the person who's dropping their kid off next to you. I mean, like they, they look normal. A lot of people struggling with eating disorders actually are overweight and look like, you know, people in a higher BMI. So yes. this is the kind of thing that we can't actually see it with our eyes. It's really what's internal, what's in our minds, what our thoughts are, what our behaviors are. Um, that's more important. Since the pandemic, you started working a lot more with people online, which you continue to do. And what mm -hmm. is probably what, first of all, what are the most common types of eating disorders and what are people coming to you with the most? Yeah, well, so the main categories of an eating disorder is either anorexia, bulimia, binge eating. And then what I actually see in, in real life most often is the uh, not otherwise specified category. So it's people who don't fall into a category of anorexia, bulimia, or binge eating, they kind of go from one to the other. They have some of this, some of that. So maybe if they were looking at the criteria, they wouldn't necessarily fit into one, but they really struggle with their relationship with food. It feels really chaotic. Um, you know, almost their happiness is tied into how they look and feel that day with a number that's on the scale and their food behaviors are dictated by, again, how they feel that day. Is it mostly women? Um, mostly women? Um, I, the majority of women, but there are so many men who struggle with this. And I don't know if that number is that way because sometimes men don't speak out. Yes. So mm -hmm. we don't that know. Happens. Yes. yes, um, yes. And over the pandemic, unfortunately, the increase for younger and younger kids has gotten so out of hand. You know, kids who are 12 and 10 and eight years old with eating disorders is, you know, it's become a real issue. 
That's really scary. And I don't think the internet helps much with that, with Instagram and people snapping pictures of themselves with filters and fixing oh, it, terrible. making themselves look per perfect. And it really, it really is. And I, I can't get over that, but that's a whole nother, <laughs> that's another podcast episode. Yeah. But we are so focused on that. And, and I have to say, I believe, and I'm sure you agree with this, it's much more focused on women, women's mm -hmm. appearance as opposed yeah. to men. You'll see anchors on television. The men generally are older and the women are generally younger. That's just kind of the way our society, mm -hmm. unfortunately, is. And there's a lot more pressure on women to look a certain way. But even if it isn't about appearance, sometimes it's about emotions. Somebody's upset and they eat. Somebody's happy and they eat. You know, you're, you said earlier before we started uh, recording that you really can't separate your emotions from food. It's just... In, intertwined in us, but we want to try to find a way to have a healthy relationship. So where do we start? How does that actually begin? Yeah. So just kind of going back to that piece for, to manage expectations, not to assume that the end of this goal is to completely differentiate our emotions from our food experience, that that's not possible, nor is it what we want. We want to connect over food. We, we get comfort out of food and that's totally fine if you're aware of it and you do it intentionally. Now, separating that out is obviously a lot harder to do than it is to say, but you know, my very first question to somebody who's struggling with, and this is also more binge eating or just eating that feels uncontrolled. It doesn't have to be what we call a binge is, are you eating enough during the rest of the day? So if you're just, you know, your favorite place to go at night is the fridge or on the weekends, are you getting enough food during the day? And if you are, are you allowing yourself to eat all types of food? Do you feel restricted in any sort of way? And that could be in the types of foods that you're eating as well, because when we feel restricted, oh yeah, we want more of that. Yes. So making yes. like an all <laughs> human nature. Model. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All foods fit model where no, we're not going to be eating Doritos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But if Doritos are something that you're not allowed to eat, then you're going to be eating them. Yeah. That's sort of kind of the, the way it is. And, you know, I, over the years have, first of all, let me just say this. I'm from an Italian family. Food is the center of the world and the universe. You know, growing up, that's how it's always been. My parents were always a little overweight. Most people in my family were a little overweight. I've always been, you know, up and down trying to lose five or 10 pounds here and there, but never really struggled with my weight, fortunately, because I was always very active and so forth. As I'm getting older, you know, it's, it's getting harder and harder. But I was always taught, you know, food, food, food. It's everywhere. And so I, at times you know, struggle a little bit with my relationship with food, especially in the evenings. And I've talked to friends about this too. I'm not the only one. There are people that eat really healthy during the day. And I usually eat pretty healthy salads and good proteins and so forth, eggs and vegetables. And then when it gets to the evening, I want to have like a little sweet or something. I get a little craving for something and that's when I want to eat. And it and it's almost like a calming thing. I've said this to people before. If I were a smoker, I would be having a cigarette, but I'm not a smoker. So it's a way to just sort of wind down and bring the evening to an end. And I don't want it. I don't like it, but I, it seems like just something that's intertwined in me. So what would you say to someone like me? I'm going to get some free advice now. What would you say if, if you know, you were talking to somebody that came to you with that and say, okay, mm -hmm. well, let's break this down, I'm sure. Like, let's look at this a little bit more. So... How would you analyze me, <laughs> I guess? Yeah, well, so maybe, Robin, you're not going to love this, but I think 
do you allow yourself to eat sweets earlier in the day when it's lunch? No, I do not. I eat like vegetables and fruits and, you know, that sort of thing. And I actually don't even have sweets in my house. You know what I'll have? Like a power bar or something like that'll be my big thing. But I won't buy ice cream. I won't buy candy, cookies, because I know myself. I just know myself. It's not in my refrigerator because it will call out to me. Robin, chocolate chip ice cream, mint mm -hmm. chocolate chip, your favorite. So I don't want to eat it. So I don't do it. I don't bring well, it into my so house. So here's the thing. When that happens, this ice cream has so much power over you. It does. That if it will be, <laughs> if it's going to be around or any semblance of it is going to be around, you will need to eat it. And this is not a process that happens overnight, but the process of incorporating more of this food into your diet, which actually seems counterintuitive. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's the thing that actually allows us to have it in the freezer and be like, I don't actually feel like having that. That's where tonight. you want to get. That's what you want to get to. I know that. Yes. But, exactly. You know. And so if we're, you know, eating only what we call healthy foods, and I use quotations because I don't love using that term. It's kind of nutrition dense or whatever you want to say. Yes. Yes. Um, but when we only have those foods and all the foods that are on the do not eat list, yeah, they're going to have that power over you because yes. we've almost created that dynamic. That's true. That is true. And, you know, I guess I could try that. But, you know, you, you worry about yourself opening up the pint of ice cream and just sort of, you know, going crazy on it. And that's, you know, an all or nothing mentality, which is exactly. probably what you're saying. You don't want that all or nothing mentality. You want to be able to have, okay, I can have a bowl of ice cream if I really want it. And I'm going to put the rest away and I'm done, you know, mm -hmm. not easier said than done for many people. Exactly. And I also think that this is not the kind of thing that you can say, all right, this week, this month, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to have a bowl of ice cream when I feel like it. And then I'm good. This is you're unlearning an entire lifetime of unhealthy relationship with food. And you think that one or four weeks of trying this out is going to completely shift things. Well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But I think over time, once it becomes more allowed in your diet, then it becomes, then it has a lot less power over you. That's a very good point. I really like that a lot. And I do see that a lot. Do, do people go on kind of a binge, they eat pretty healthy, and then all of a sudden, boom, they lose it? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what happens all the time. That's why a binge, binge happens eating disorder, right? That's what it's called. Yeah, exactly. I like to say that binging and restricting or, or dieting, whatever you want to call it, are two sides of the same coin. And the binging is actually the second part. So, so many people come to me and say, I have a binge problem. Can you fix my binge problem? And I'm here thinking, okay, well, let's actually address your restrict problem because that's probably what this is. And it's an unpopular opinion. No one wants to be told to eat more and have a problem with eating too much. Um, yes. <laughs> but I, I've seen this so, so often and it happens every time. I don't think I've ever met someone who struggles with binge eating and doesn't restrict to a certain extent. And when you say restrict, you don't mean not getting enough nutrients, not getting enough, but when you say that you're saying foods that you're, are, are off limits, that's what you mean by that. So I mean twofold. Some people actually are not getting enough energy. So they are on, let's say their body, I don't, I'm making these numbers up. Let's say their body needs 2000 calories a day and they're getting 1500 and technically it's in the realm of average, but it's not enough for their body that's actually restrictive. So they're not getting enough energy. Then the other one that you're pointing out is much more common is that even if they do get enough energy, where are the sources? Are you not allowing yourself food groups? 
And that's what you're going to end up binging on. Absolutely. So how do you work with a client? Someone comes to you and they're, they're just feeling hopeless and helpless. I can't fix this on my own. What do you do? How do you start with them? So I think, first of all, depending on the severity, you know, if somebody is really struggling, I'll set them up with a team. So a registered dietitian that knows a lot more nutrition science than I do might be important. And that's, you know, one of the first things we'll do. And again, looking at the restriction. So we'll go through a 24 hour recall. What did you eat? Because very often they'll say, no, 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 I have no problem with that. And then when we actually break it down, well, maybe there's something with this and maybe there's something with that. Mm -hmm. So I would really look at what they're eating and then encourage them to gather more information. In the beginning, it's just information gathering. So let's just say this week, let's see what you're eating. And more importantly, what are you feeling before? What are you feeling during? What are you feeling after? And when I say feeling, it could be an emotion. It could be a physical sensation. What level of hunger are you? Are you coming in famished? Because then you're going to overeat at the meal. Yeah. Are you never feeling hungry? Are you always feeling full? What's going on with that pattern to try to find some more information as to what's going on in terms of your hunger fullness, in terms of how much you're eating, how often you're eating. And then kind of the next step is to connect all those emotions that are in. Okay. So at round lunch, I feel kind of like aimless. And then I end up going for some sort of sweet, I don't know. And then we kind of pick out themes. Okay. The times where I feel more lonely, more aimless, um, more languishing, I'm going to go for something that's sweet. So let's unpack that. What's going on with how you're feeling in those mm -hmm. moments. So it's a, a lot of it related, obviously to your emotions. Now you always say diets don't work. Why is that? Yeah. Well, I have to give diet culture credit because they have really nailed their marketing in that if you don't succeed at a diet, meaning either you lose weight and gain it back or you're on a diet and you don't lose weight at all, they have made us believe that we're the problem and that we have to go on another diet and pay for those products in order to get results. So, you know, I do have to hand it to them in terms of business strategy. They've definitely nailed that. Um, but I do think that there's a certain element of the restriction in diets that is going to make it inevitable that we fail. So again, whether we don't have enough calories in our day, or they're telling us that there's all these food groups that we can't have, you're not going to be able to sustain that behavior for the long term. Your body is not able to do that. So on a biological level, if you don't have enough calories, your body will go look for food. Our bodies are programmed to maintain homeostasis, and it wants to stay at a at a certain level for us to be able to maintain all our bodily functions, our, our heart, our lungs, our vitals, those are important. And so if it doesn't have enough energy, it's going to look for it. It's going to make you look for it. And it's probably going to go to the quickest source of energy that it knows, which is sugar. Yeah. Nobody craves carrots or broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I overate broccoli. Oh no. Yeah. So that's something that is true. And it's, it's sugar. It's sugar is the, the thing or, Sometimes people crave salt, a sweet, uh, either a sweet mm -hmm. or something that's a crunchy. I remember uh, years ago doing an interview with somebody talking about these categories of, you know, somebody craves like a, a milk product or a salt. Everybody has their thing that really feels like they can't control it. You know, they, they have to just yeah. sort of either stay away from it or just try to put it in control. So what do you suggest to a person to get started? Do you say, okay, we'll buy that ice cream and just see how it goes? Or do you say, 
you know, let's work these other issues out first and then start adding. Yeah, this. well, I think that it's it's simultaneous, but it is more so the quote behavioral change that happens first. Um, I would recommend before you do anything to buy the book called Intuitive Eating. It's a wonderful book and you can use it as a guide. So it's not just I picked up bits and pieces and um, okay, Rachel is telling me to go buy a pint of ice cream, but now what? So it, it's it's more of a guidebook than sure. than just a couple intuitive of intuitive um, eating. Okay, well that's good. Yes. Yeah, who, it's a, by Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Rush. It's a wonderful book, and it's just it before jumping into anything. I would recommend people gathering more information because ultimately, if we have in the back of our minds that the goal is to lose weight, none of this is going to work ever, and so. I would say the very first thing is to challenge, why do you want to lose weight? Is it because of health? Well, is there another way that we can actually obtain health? Is there a more accurate marker of health? What are your blood numbers saying? What's your A1C, your sugar? What is your thyroid? Uh, what are your thyroid numbers? Um, what are your vitals, your pulse, your blood pressure, all that stuff. And so I would highly, you know, I would challenge you if this is for health purposes, are you actually not healthy? Um, and if there's another reason, if you have poor body image and you really just want to feel better about yourself, what is it that you're actually trying to attain? So I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be well-liked. I'm going to be loved when I'm in this body. Well, that's not going to happen. And so if that's the issue, then that's what we have to address. So I would say teasing out, this is not a weight loss program. It's never going, I mean, you might actually lose weight. You might gain weight. I don't know, but the point is that going in with the mindset of I'm going to lose weight, it's going to backfire. Mm -hmm. So I would say challenge, challenging that and then going in with your guidebook, the intuitive eating is to continue to challenge, you know, making all foods fit, getting the ice cream, incorporating it into your daily routine. If that's something that you're interested in making sure that you eat regularly so that you're not going these really long periods of time without eating and, you know, more specifically that you're not going until you're famished, starving, and you're yes. hangry. And a lot of people eating. will do that. You know, they'll get busy at work and they'll forget to eat. And then they binge something at three o'clock. And it's just a bad cycle to get into that. And I have always said exactly. this, and I think it's a great idea. And any nutritionist I've ever spoken with says, just try to pre-plan a little bit. Try to just mm -hmm. prepare in advance. It, it's so much easier when you're not just winging it and you kind of have an idea. I mean, my husband, every day when he goes to lunch, he packs his lunch. He packs two lunches because he likes to eat, but it's always like chicken and rice and broccoli and like really, really healthy stuff. So he doesn't have to go out or order a pizza or, or wing it, you know, he doesn't eat like that anyway. He eats really healthy, but every day he does that. And it's like, that's, terrific. I work from home now, so I just eat. And that can be a problem. That's a whole other issue we have to talk about. Mm -hmm. People working from home and having to, you know, sit next to the refrigerator as they're going through their day. They're bored or they're taking a break. They open their fridge. That's another issue that I'm sure you've heard lately since yeah. people have had the, since the pandemic. And a lot of people put on that, you know, they, they, the COVID-15, they call it. Yeah. So, but, but, but that's I also think, a place where food journaling and writing down what's going on. I feel bored and then I'm going to the fridge and then I feel this and I'm going to the fridge. That also will help us understand where the problem actually lies. I love that you said that because when I hear food journaling, I think about I ate, 
you know, four grapes or whatever. I ate this, I ate that. And sometimes I- four I grapes? Ate, well, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> I'm I just, just said, you know, right. But I'm just saying, like, sometimes I'll eat a salad with 10 things in it. And I'm like, I don't even remember what I ate. What What is in that salad? So I love food journaling when it comes to, like, how you feel. That's a very, that's a great thing to write down. I felt angry when I ate this, or I felt sad, or I felt bored. Mm -hmm. Because then you can pinpoint exactly what you do you know, when, what you eat when you feel a certain way. And that's a good starting point. I like that a lot. So do you, do you, is that one of the things you recommend? Yeah, of course. And I think that even before you change anything, I would do that for a week or a month just to gather more information. And then in that, I would throw in what's my level of hunger fullness. Um, so, you know, at what point you're starting to eat at one point you're finishing to eat. We want to start when we're com comfortably hungry and then end when we're com comfortably full. Um, and then once you have the information for, let's say, one to four weeks, then you can start to change some things around. How often do you work with people? How do you work with them? Is it one on one? Is it group? What do you do? Yeah. So I work with people mostly one on one. Some people more than once a week, on average, once a week. Um, and, you know, this is more so teasing out their individual relationship with food. So, you know, I'm a psychotherapist and we have a deep dive into their emotional uh, experience and their history and, and depression, anxiety, and oh, trauma. Man. You and all must that hear kind of some stuff. stories, I'm sure. Yes, I, I definitely have some stories. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, just kind of branching out a little bit, I recently started my own podcast to kind of help people a little bit more. It's called Understanding Disordered Eating. Um, for the people that I can't work with one on one, I have a finite amount of time and just kind of like putting some more ideas out there about our relationship with food because, you know, so many people struggle with disordered eating. I mean, like, basically everyone. Yes. Oh, yes. I mean, in some level. And as you said, when you think of that, you think of somebody who's maybe emaciated from from anorexia and you thought, oh, that's not me. But mm -hmm. it's just basically an unhealthy relationship with food, disordered eating. And again, what is the podcast called? It's called Understanding Disordered, disordered Eating. Disordered so. Eating. Okay. And that's wherever you get your podcasts? Everywhere you get your podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. Well, I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. And uh, where else can people reach out to you if they'd like to get some more information or start working with you? Yeah. So either on Instagram, I'm rheinemanlmhc, or on my website, it's rachelheineman.com. Rahel Heinemann. I said that yes. correctly in the beginning. I, I victimized it. Rahel. It's such an Heinemann. impossible syllable to say if you didn't grow up saying it. So <laughs> hard to say, but I, I, I think Rahel. Okay, I got it. Thank you, you so it. much for joining us. It was very good information. You helped me a little bit, which I appreciate. I'm glad to hear. Yes, that was terrific. And uh, all the best to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with me today for Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Please subscribe and we'll keep you updated on our most recent episode. Until we see you next time, please stay safe and keep living well.